We all want to feel like we belong, but sometimes it's challenging to find connection in our living spaces, neighborhoods, communities, and relationships. On Home Where You Belong, we're here to change that. Hear stories of people from different backgrounds and from different places and how they've been able to feel more at home to help give you a renewed sense of connection, belonging, and optimism. Welcome to Home Where You Belong with your host, Chip Alford. What's in your junk drawer? Crumpled receipts from five years ago? Unopened junk mail? A handful of pens that long ago ran out of ink? What about your bedroom closet? Well organized or jammed with clothes and shoes you vaguely remember buying and seldom if ever wear? No judgment here. We all have clutter. Who hasn't spent 20 minutes looking for a roll of scotch tape they bought three days ago? But have you ever stopped to consider the hidden cost of clutter in our lives? I'm not just talking about physical clutter. What about all the mental and emotional baggage we carry around every day? Connie Ellefson knows all too well how clutter weighs us down. The Denver-based engineer and professional organizer wrote a book about it. In Clear the Space, Feel the Rush, Connie shares how her decluttering journey ultimately led to a life of enthusiasm, enjoyment, and lightness. She joins us today to talk about how decluttering can help you reclaim energy, freedom, and fun. Well, Connie, welcome to Home Where You Belong. We're really glad to have you today. Thanks for joining us on the program today. Thanks so much for having me, Chip. It's great. Maybe to start off, tell us just a little bit about yourself. I, I know you're you're gonna we're gonna talk about de- decluttering, but uh, you know, tell us where you're from, a little bit about yourself. You were an engineer, I believe, or are just tell I us. I still about am, Connie. yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I I grew up, my father had a job in the oil business that caused us to move every six months to a year. The first five, four or five years, we lived in a mobile home, and the the first one was eight feet wide, 43 feet long, so 344 square feet Wow. For our family of four, and eventually we we gave up. I mean, that was like my formative years. The first six years were in a, when we, when we moved up, the next one was 10 feet wide and 50 feet long. We were moving up, and eventually we got out of trailers and into houses, but even then they were kind of small. And then many years later, when I was married, my ex-husband and I had a house that was 3,000 square feet. It was a custom home and we had to move out of it. We couldn't sustain it any longer. So at that point, it took me and five big guys, four and a half hours to move everything into a giant moving van. So I'm like, what happened? We collect a lot of stuff over the years, right? Sometimes just through basic living and sometimes through our habits, but maybe that's a good place to start. How how would you define clutter and why do so many of us seem to have so much of it in our lives? Clutter is anything that you surround yourself with that that kind of drags you down. If you can imagine a, a top runner trying to do the 100-yard dash with with an extra shoe tied to the back of their heel and <laughs> holding holding them back. <laughs> Not that we're all in a race all the time, but it's interesting because there's two fighting things, two like com- competing things going on. We we love to accumulate things, even if we're more circumspect about it, because it makes us feel more powerful. 
the okay. more things we have, like the the more status, it's kind of an ingrained caveman type thing. Well, and in America, back. we're oh, sorry to interrupt. In America, sure. we seem to be such a consumer society. Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm sure that adds to it too. It, exactly, and we also have the advantage or disadvantage of so many cheaply made goods coming in from elsewhere in the world at whatever cost, and then so it's easy for us to pick up something just because it's a good price. And so at the same time, we're we're wanting to live our lives, but but we're hampered by clutter of the possessional type. We're also probably to a much greater extent hampered by clutter in our minds and our emotions and our in our thoughts. Those those actually, I call it the tip of the iceberg. We see the stuff clutter around us and we think that's the problem because I can see it. But but the stuff that the mind clutter that put it there in the first place. If you clear that out first or along the way or as you're going, it's much easier to let go of the stuff clutter. And if you feel kind of sluggish because you're not getting enough exercise, you're not eating very well, then you have clutter in your body, which not only contributes to aging, degenerative diseases, that can that can mess with your moods and with your stuff because you don't have the energy to do do what you could do to clear out your space. Despite sometimes our best intentions, we we often don't deal with it. Why do you think it's so hard or why do people resist dealing with it or just starting the process of organizing or decluttering? It's somebody said our our belongings are kind of a reflection of us. We've we've surrounded ourselves with these things and we get used to them. One of my earliest clients said something so wise. He said, clutter is kind of like pain. We we get used to it after a while, and we just put oh, up with it. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good quote. We don't realize that how much better it could feel to not have it. One of the one of my favorite stories was a woman in her seventies. She and her husband had had to sell their two story three bedroom suburban house they lived in for fifty years and move into a fourteen hundred square foot townhouse. And they had to get out in two weeks. She oh said, we had to get rid of 70% of our stuff. And wow. I that was the best feeling I ever had in my life. I think that's part of what you talk about in your book, uh, Clear the Space, Feel the Rush. Why did you decide to write it? I've written, this is my fourth book. And uh, it's there's always something that inspires me. And in, in this case, it was... In 2008, I had my my engineering profession is tied to the building market. And after 9-11, things oh. were very up and down, up and down for several years. I had four layoffs in six years. Oh and I thought, it might be time for a new career. But I had so many ideas about it, especially with my background of living at six, five or 600 square feet and then going to 3,000 and then going back a little bit and... But, you're, a, you're a case study in what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So it just, it seemed to me that it isn't just about the stuff because, oh, I was an organizing book junkie. Like I love okay. to read organizing books and okay. I'd read it and I get all excited about the method and I'd apply it. And then I'd stop at the 90% mark or I'd let, I'd get it all done. But then in two or three months, it would be like disorganized again. So Mm. I'm like, what's going on here? There must be something more than just the perfect method. 
there must be something in my brain and my psyche that makes it terrifying to get this completely done or so So maybe the maybe the clutter is sometimes the symptom not the real underlying problem exactly what you're saying that's exactly what it is yeah okay so I thought we should have an organizing book and I, and mine is way more about decluttering and it's more about the emotional side, the mental side than just another book on how to organize and declutter. So right. because there's lots of books out there that are that already cover that subject beautifully. Sure, so I wanted to of... kind of tie it together with my best organizing tips and with all this other stuff that could could be related or could be causing it. So you kind of mix some process tips for like how to do something, Mm -hmm. but maybe some even deeper questioning of why are you getting yourself in this, in this situation in the first place? Is that right? right? Exactly. Yeah. It's a little bit more, more about inspiration than actual nuts and bolts. Okay. We all need a little inspiration, especially when it comes to decluttering. So Mm -hmm. uh, we talked just a second ago, I've experienced this, you know, when I have gone through some decluttering or helped others do the same it does feel like a rush like the the title of your book clear the space feel the rush why do you think that is why is it freeing or where does that feeling come from well the people the people talk you know the feng shui people they say all this inner stuck energy is tied up in your things that are just sitting around moldering on the shelves and you're not using them and when you clear that out or you take everything off a shelf and then look at all the stuff and decide, I am I actually using this or keeping it? Even if you end up putting every single thing back on that shelf, the fact that you've moved it out and rearranged it and, and contemplated it, that changes the energy right there. And I, and I realized like quantum physics says that we are affected by the things around us. We're kind of always in interaction with our surroundings. So, I just kind of made a connection in my mind all at once because we've all felt that rush of it's really endorphins or dopamine or serotonin, one of those neurotransmitters. When you, when you see the cleared space that was icky before you feel exhilarated and I'm like, maybe that feng shui is coming right into our bodies. And that's the rush that we feel. I also realized, and this was at the last the end of my 14 year process of writing this book, I realized when you go for a walk, 30 minute walk, they say, you'll start to feel the endorphins or you go, you know, exercise for 30 minutes. You feel, you feel better. It's the same rush. Mm -hmm. So decluttering your body, decluttering your stuff. If you have an emotional release, getting rid of something that's, you know, been blocking you and making you feel, feel bad, get rid of that. You feel that same lightness and that same rush. Absolutely. So they're all interrelated. One of the interesting things about your book is, is you are talking about more than cleaning out junk drawers or organizing closets. Mm-hmm. Also taking a look at your own life, your mind, your mindset, your emotions. What are some examples if, if from your own life, if you're willing to share them or, or things that you've heard that that do clutter people's minds or or bodies? Well, it's, there's, there's so many things. I mean, each person is individual, but we're all a product of our, our past and our, what we're worried about in the future. And really, we all have a lot more power right in the present. And for the most part, the present is pretty good. But okay. we're, if we're thinking about the past, we're you know, feeling anxious or feeling guilty mainly for 
what you've done or what you haven't done, and then anxious about the future, what could happen, then all that stuff is is kind of weighing you down too. So it's it's a it's kind of a dance you play with yourself. But my number one tip for the people ask me what's what's one thing that ties all those three together, it's first declutter the guilts. And oh, okay. I say guilts, it's really shame, but it's also how come I haven't already fixed this? And here I am this age and what, how, how come I don't have this handled? You got to like get rid of all that because it's not going to, it's not going to do you any good. If it inspires you to do something about it, then it's worthwhile. But if it just makes you feel bad, it's not, not doing anything. That sounds so, like great advice. I've definitely said what you just said a second ago. Why haven't I already dealt with this at this age? But how do you do that? I'm sure there's not you know, one answer, but are we talking about therapy or are we talking about support from others? What kinds of things right. can you do to deal with that kind of thing? Yeah, I have in my chapter about the mind clutter, I have like 10 or so different suggestions. They start from very simple, like doing some journaling or just being aware, just thinking about yourself and some awareness and respecting yourself and saying, what, how did I get here? How could I change it? You could talk to some a sympathetic friend, not somebody that's going to jump all over you and say, well, of course you should have done this already. Or you could, you could get some counseling and that's, that's helpful. And, and actually when you talk about these things, when you write about them, you're bringing up this, those same endorphins. It's the chemical change in your body is the same. When you let, when you tell your story to, to an empathic listener or someone who can see the better picture of yourself than you see, then you're you're bringing up that same rush, and my my very favorite there's two favorite ways to deal with emotional mind clutter, and one of them is tapping, which is emotional freedom technique. I've been and reading reading about that. I don't know a lot about it. Is that is that something you've explored much yourself? Or yes, it's it's amazing, and the cool thing about it is you can do it for yourself, and it's it's actually rel relatively easy. There's thousands of <laughs> videos on YouTube for how to do it in specific topics. But basically what you're doing is you're calming down your amygdala, your fight or flight. It's it's great for anxiety in the moment. So you just, okay. when you're anxious or stressed out, you can't think like your brain doesn't work. Everything's back in the, in the more primitive part of your brain. So that's fight or flight, fear, whatever. So you can't really verbalize in your head or come up with a solution if you're if you're stuck back there. So with the tapping, you're on the side of your hand. That's where you start. And you talk about the thing that's bugging you. Like, even though I can't seem to let go of this stuff and it kind of makes me feel bad, I still love and accept myself. You may not feel that at the moment. You can say it. Or even though uh, you say whatever whatever's bugging you three times. Here okay. I am. I'm in this mess. I can't believe I'm back here again. Why? Why can't I let go of this stuff? That's how I feel, and that's okay. So you ignore like bringing awareness and maybe hopefully acceptance at the same time a little bit. Exactly. And the the funny part about it is you say all those negative things that you're actually thinking, but science, you know, our society says don't don't say negative things. Don't think negative thoughts about yourself. You're going to be doing yeah. it anyway. So just be positive. Way, yeah. Yeah. This way you're acknowledging it and you're letting go of it at the same time. So you, you're you tapping around different parts of your face. And these these places where you tap, there's nine of them all together. 
you just kind of go in a pattern around and one's under your arms. And then, so it's, you can, you can see it on YouTube, but basically it's points around your face. And these are the endpoints of the meridians that they use in acupuncture, the energy channels that go through your body. So you're basically, you're calming down each meridian as you go around. And within 10, 5, 10, 15 minutes, you can take yourself from completely freaked out to, huh, oh, I feel better. <laughs> I'm definitely going to try that. I, you know, struggle with anxiety some myself. Mm -hmm. So, and, and everybody does it some level, but um, yeah, I've been hearing a lot more about it. I'll, I might look, I may even include uh, some links to some of that in the show notes, folks. So maybe take a look at that, but she's, uh, Connie's definitely right. I've seen videos about this on YouTube, on TikTok, pretty much Instagram everywhere. So mm -hmm. it seems like it's getting more attention. Yeah, that's the great. thing that, that I've done that's sort of simple. Well, you just mentioned it a minute ago, journaling. Mm -hmm. I, I tend to, you know, have thoughts racing around in my head and I keep going over and over and, you know, just rethinking and rehashing. And, and it feels, it does feel like clutter, but sometimes just the process of writing about what it is that's bothering me or what's going on, or, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of that same thing, you know, just uh -huh. the act of kind of putting that down kind of organize it and is helpful in some way. It is. Yeah. It's, you're basically doing the same, the same process. You're giving the thing a voice, you're acknowledging it instead of fighting it because yeah. the main, the main thing that drags us down is resistance, fighting, fighting what is. So going ahead and, and acknowledging these things that you'd never tell your friends, Oh, I feel like a complete fool or whatever. <laughs> You, you never say that. Don't say that about yourself. Yep. That's terrible. You should always talk positive about yourself. Well, yeah. <laughs> anyway, if you're, not, if you're not feeling that, that, that can not, not be helpful. I like to right. think about resistance. I don't know where, who said this or it's a quote I read, but what you resist persists. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, so it's a way of letting, letting go. And when you're writing it, that's another physical action where you're putting your words into especially if you write, I mean, you got to write with a pen on a piece of paper, not do it on the computer. It's not the same process okay. physiologically in your body. But um, but yeah, that's a great way. If you're super stressed out and you know hard, difficult part of your life, they say write three pages a day of whatever crap comes out of your your brain. You may it may not be anything you can use later because it may not even be you know, readable, you may not be, <laughs> what did I write? And then <laughs> you just go to the next page. And and if, when you, then when you get through that phase, you may not need to do it anymore, but it, it is a huge stress reliever a to little, do just that. A little bit of a release. Absolutely. Yeah. The other one too, besides the tapping, the other one is a 10 minute do nothing meditation. Uh, okay. And that's where you just sit and look at something nice, maybe, or it doesn't even have to be nice, but you are not thinking or planning or praying or meditating. You're just sitting there getting bored with yourself. <laughs> and basically it brings you right into the present. I Sometimes I make it a little bit of an effort to go up and look at things that, from a higher, higher stand, you know, standpoint than, than just oh, right here in my body. Try to take the, not the 50,000 foot view, but maybe the 20 foot view and be calm but within 10 minutes i sometimes ask the question before i start what would you like to tell me the angels or god or spirit guides or your higher self somebody may be trying to give you some advice and if you're always blah, 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 
but with your <laughs> with your anxiety or whatever, you you can't hear it. So like, be still, incredible. be still, and be still and listen. Or right, be still and know that, be, know that I am God. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a and lot so, of references to it in in religious writings and and you know psychological writings and things like that as well. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. So I get amazing insights. Or sometimes I get reminded of something that I had forgotten that needs to get done really quick. So um, there's, it's just sometimes I'm just, I like, I have a piece of paper with me and sometimes I'll write stuff down because I get so many good ideas in 10 minutes that I want to record them before they go out the door of my mind. <laughs> because you're you're kind of clearing space in your mind uh-huh. for those things to come to you or, or be more organized or clear in your mind, I guess. Right you stop spinning for a minute and it's, it's just incredible how someone said, if you do this every day for 30 days, your life will, it'll transform your life. And I can, I, I don't do it every day, but whenever I do, I think, Oh, I should do this every day yeah. because it feels so good. It calms you down. You can approach whatever even difficult tasks you've been doing with a little bit more philosophical view of it. So it's awesome. Well, now that I'm, Recovering from surgery, selling one house, and getting ready to move into another. This would be a good time to practice mm-hmm. some of these tips you you mentioned. And as Connie said, she's got several others in her book, uh, which we'll include links to in in our show notes and on the website. You've kind of answered this a little bit already, but as you mentioned earlier, there, there's tons of books out there on decluttering and home organization. Mm-hmm. Lots of shows. I you know. I, used to watch Marie Kondo and a lot of uh-huh. things and a lot of great stuff in there. Yeah. How would, what would you say though, that makes your book or what, you, how you wrote about this different maybe than, than some of those things? It's the fact that I do cover the a mind clutter, the emotional and mental clutter, okay. as well as the physical. I like to tell people that you can start anywhere. If you don't, if you've already, maybe you've already got your house organized, but you're still bugged by some emotional things. You can just read that chapter if you want to okay. save yourself a little bit of time. <laughs> um, but I I try to make it so it's flexible and holistic. Okay. So you can look at whichever section you're interested in most and that will, the other stuff will start happening too. The thing that I, that I realized in the last year or so, as I was finishing up the book, I went on a little workation. I went to a different state, okay. stayed in an Airbnb, so I could just finish the darn thing up. <laughs> I some The reason this book takes so long to write is because I got super busy again with engineering. I, I just became a consultant but stopped putting oh, okay. myself in the position of being laid off. So I started my own business. And Smart. there were there were a few years where I had to work seven days a week to keep up with the work, and I couldn't get one more second on the computer. So the book just kind of sat there. I understand. That makes sense. But, There's only um, so much space to clear, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was, so I was in this little Airbnb and all I had, my clothes were put away. They had closets and a dresser and everything was put away in my clothes. So at night I would work on my book till about nine o'clock. So I'd have my laptop, a little book bag where I put my laptop into and some papers and maybe a snack or some, you know, water. So just those few things. And I crash into bed, go to sleep. I wouldn't clean it up before I went to bed. That's another story I'll go to in a minute. But when I woke up in the morning, I thought, and it would take me 10 minutes to put all that stuff back together. And it was just like five items, you know, unhooking the computer, putting it, 
And I thought, ooh, no wonder it's so hard to stay decluttered and organized because it just takes time. Yeah. And unless you have absolutely nothing or you have way more space to store things, so it's just oh, completely easy to put everything away and you're not too tired to do it or whatever, it takes time. And, and we don't, I think that's kind of what happened with me when I was stopping at the 90% mark or I would get it done and then it would be a shambles in two or three months. But I had two little boys and a husband and I worked almost full time and I'm like, hey, maybe I should give myself a break. (laughs) It wasn't easy. So that's that's the time factor of maintaining it that a lot of other books miss. Like they may have a wonderful solution for how to store the stuff and how to think about where you're going to put it and blah, blah, blah. But unless you also factor in the time to maintain it, then it's it can deteriorate. You you just brought up something interesting to me that you know we we have our own clutter, but those of us that have families or relationships or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're bringing their clutter into it as well. What do you do to try to if the other people are not maybe uh, joining you in the journey, or have you <laughs> talked to people that have faced that kind of situation? Oh yeah. I mean, everybody does because, because we all have different levels of clutter that we can, that we'll put up with. And it's, it's a dance. I mean, you have to negotiate with people and, and make some agreements like we'll keep this space picked up. You can like, it's great if everybody can have their own room or their own office or some area where they can do whatever the heck they want with the level of clutter. But, um, but in the shared spaces, it's pretty important to come to some kind of agreement. And the story that I wanted to to tell about leaving things in a little bit of a mess was when I, when I was in one of my engineering jobs, my boss went to a seminar about how to make your, get your employees the, you know, the best working environment for themselves. So he told us, he said, you are authorized at the last 10 to 15 minutes of the day to spend time putting things away and, and organizing your desk and, you know, filing things that you don't need anymore, blah, blah, you know. So when you come in in the morning, your desk is all clean and it's easy to, it's, you know, inviting. And I it found- It makes a difference, yeah. Well, it, it was actually the opposite for me. Because really? when I, the work was very difficult for me and okay. it still is. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd come in and I'd be like, ooh, I don't even want to, I'd like to just leave those sleeping dogs lie. They're all nicely put away. I hate to mess with this, you know, scene. Let's go have some coffee. Let's go talk to some colleagues. So it would take me half an hour to get started because it was hard to get my mind back in the game. But if I came in and things were kind of disorganized, I'm like, oh, let's get this straightened up. So I immediately start picking things up and putting them away. And that got me into the flow. So instead of spending that 15 minutes at the end of the day, I'd spend it at the beginning and I would start much sooner to actually get my head into the projects. That's really interesting because I'm the exact opposite. If I came in and there's just stuff cluttered or papers, my my brain would be like, I don't know where to start. Or I just feel like, what do I do? uh But, you know, everybody's different. You know, you've Mm got to find what approach will work for you and make you more productive, I guess. Right. If I'm trying to do something creative or or challenging, I'm learning a new, I love making videos. So <laughs> that's a great part of my life now. It's like I make lots of TikToks and other videos for promoting my book. 
But so if I'm trying to do something creative like that, I do like to see an uncluttered space. But if I like with my engineering work, the the just the process of tidying things up a little bit in my office, which made me felt feel better about being there, that like I said, that got me in the flow. So it kind of depends on the task as well. That's interesting. Well, you've obviously been on this decluttering journey. You've you've used these processes, you've dealt with some of these things. What would you say the impacts are? What what has been the benefit to you personally? And what have you seen as you've talked to others about this as the benefits of, of focusing on this? Well, all the things I've learned along the way have made my life happier and healthier. We haven't spoken yet about how I would work with clients to even get started on a, a project, but okay. I always would ask them, what's your what's your goal? What's your dream for your life? Like, how do you want to spend your time? Do you, do you want to spend it at home doing cozy family activities? Or would you like to entertain a lot? Or on the other hand, would you rather just have it like army barracks minimalism at <laughs> home so that you can go out and do adventures and not worry about what's happening at home because it's handled? Mm. So whatever your dream is for your time, which is your life, that's going to make a difference in how you organize and declutter and how you set up your, your house, your space. And if you're looking towards a dream, like my dream is a vacation condo, oh, wow. uh, nicely decorated, all the basics are there, no clutter. I really like an uncluttered space. So going towards that dream is a good way to start. Along the way, all the things I've learned about the things we can let go of, and different approaches to how to let go of them. It's just, it's made me happier. And one of the most interesting pieces of information I got at the last year of writing my book, I read a book by Dr. Joe Dispenza called Becoming Supernatural, which okay. is not about paranormal. It's about <laughs> all the things human can, humans can do that they are not aware they can do. And okay. he he talked about a conference he had in 2016 and 120 people agreed to his experiment that he wanted to do. It was a four-day conference. So at the beginning, he said, if you're okay with it, I'd like to test your saliva for a thing called immunoglobulin A. So they just did a cheek swab. So they tested it. And the immunoglobulin A is a protein in your body that says, this is how strong your immune system is right this minute. And then he asked them to spend 10 minutes, three times a day, putting themselves in a basically he called it high vibrational emotional state, but it's things like gratitude, happiness, love. Okay. 10 minutes, three times a day. I think it was actually even a little bit shorter, nine minutes. And then at the end of the four days, he tested them again with the, with the cheek swab and their immunoglobulin A had gone up an average of 50%. So he said, this is so much more powerful than vitamin C or a flu shot or whatever you might do to improve your immunity. And it's all inside your body. It's all under your control. And so I'm like, wow, decluttering and organizing brings up that same happy feeling. So I'm claiming now this is a very informal experiment, but many, many people have experimented over the years with feeling happy as a way to fight off a disease or whatever, to improve your chances of surviving a serious illness and getting better quick, more quickly. So it's not anything new, but I just made that connection in my mind between decluttering and improving your immunity. 
So I'm throwing it out there. <laughs> well, as you know, the, the name of this podcast is, is Home Where You Belong. And one of mm-hmm. the main focuses is hopefully inspiring people to create a space where they do feel more at home. So exactly. how can decluttering make us feel better about our home or being at home? As I mentioned before, and we talked about, it's very individual. When I when I first started with organizing, I would show people a decorating book, and it had all kinds of different styles, from the most minimalist to almost Victorian in the de- decoration level. And I'd say, which of these, um, you know, which do you relate to? Because I don't want to in- impose my level of decluttered on them. I wanted them sure. to figure out what they feel comfortable with. And so it's it's just a way of whether your home is just a, it's just a springboard for your active life outside of the house, or if it's a place you like to spend a ton of time, or you end up having to spend a ton of time or whatever, then it's your time is your life. And your life is better when you're, when your time is spent in more, you know, enjoyable surroundings. And if that's, your surroundings make a difference, right? I mean, right, exactly. Because we're all interacting with our, with our environment all the time. question I always end with is pretty simple. What is it that makes you feel most at home? It's actually, it is being, being surrounded with an uncluttered environment and it's not, it's not perfect. Like, and I wouldn't want it to be perfect because perfect is kind of like show home. Nobody lives there. (laughs) (laughs) Don't sit on anything. Don't touch anything. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And, and I've seen people that have grown up in houses like that and they're, they kind of like don't try a lot of stuff because they've learned not to make a mess. So it's, it's a reflection of your life and it, it can always be improved. But the main thing is to be kind to yourself and declutter the guilts first and foremost, but, but it's just a way of enhancing your life immeasurably. Great answer. Great answer and great insights. I really appreciate you joining us today, sharing your insights and experience. It was a real pleasure to have you. Great. Thank you so much, Chip. Okay, listeners, thanks so much for listening. You can learn more about Connie and her book, Clear the Space, Feel the Rush, by visiting her website, clearthespace.com. As I mentioned, I'm including a direct link in the show notes and on our podcast website, homewhereyoubelong.com. Thanks again for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, tell your friends about us. We want to help you continue experiencing that feeling of being at home wherever you are. So please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and visit our website at homewhereyoubelong.com. Want to join in on discussions, ask questions, or share feedback and ideas? Join our Facebook group, visit us on Instagram, or send an email to chip at homewhereyoubelong.com. We'll see you next time. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.